Hello and welcome back to It's Your Money, the podcast that's going to spend it all and leave nothing to the kids. On this edition, we are talking about inheritance tax. It is terribly unpopular. Everybody thinks it's going to clear them out, even to the extent that Rishi Sirak is reportedly thinking of changing the rates before the next general election. But what's really going on with inheritance tax and how can you plan to make sure you don't get caught out? I'm Andrew Harrison and here to make sense of it all, it's Andy Mayer. Hello, Andy. Good afternoon, one and all. You well? Yeah, yeah, not bad. Uh, well, inheritance is very much on my mind at the moment because I'm watching Succession and they're all wondering <laughs> who's going to take over Waystar Royco. We do have to worry about IHT. It is incredibly unpopular. Polling from YouGov shows that around about half the population thinks inheritance tax is unfair or very unfair. Only a fifth think it's fair. And yet only 3.76% of deaths in the tax year 2019 to 2020 actually resulted in inheritance tax. So why are we so wound up about this? Is it a real problem or a political problem? I think, Andrew, people get wound up by it. And I think it is a problem because a lot of people, especially in the London area, when you buy a house, suddenly within 15, 20 years, you can have inheritance tax due just on your house, which you see as your home, not an asset. So I think it can be regional, but also people on their death want to leave what they've made to various people that they love and not have to pay tax again on money that they've already paid tax on. So I think it is a bit of a political issue, but I think it is genuinely a real problem too. We have a special guest with us, Hugh Storer of Goodwill's Legal Services. Hiya, Hugh. Hi, hi, both of you. How, how are you? Very well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. The number of people who actually pay IHT is quite small, but every year more people find themselves dragged into it. And the OBR thinks that by 2027 to 2028, 28, uh, about 6.7% of deaths will be taxable, which is double where we are now. We don't actually have any more older people. So how is it that more people are paying inheritance tax? At the end of the day, it is all, you know, going back to what Andy Mayer was saying, um, it partially is a kind of political problem. And I think it just ties into the state of finances of the country. And with the government trying to get money from everywhere that they can, they do see this as an easy target, because although inheritance tax is unpopular, um, you know, it's not the people paying it that, that are grumbling. It's 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 the children. Um, and it, it's just an easy target. You know, it hasn't increased with inflation. The, the, the normal nil rate band, which is the amount you can give tax free, hasn't changed for almost 15 years, despite inflation. You're thinking about this all day, every day. What are the key things that you can do right now to minimise your exposure to IHC? So there's there's quite a few ways that you can save tax. But I think that the three that are most relevant for most people um, are, first of all, and I've just described these as outright gifts, and then the most simple of, of all the options. So if you're in the fortunate position that you have savings and investments or you have a second home, you can gift those absolutely to your children, your grandchildren, or whoever you'd like to leave them to. And as long as you then live for seven years, there's not going to be any inheritance tax on those assets that you've gifted away. Um, what many people don't know, though, is that if, for instance, you die after six years, um, the, the majority of tax is actually still saved. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good example of why it's important to have professionals involved to, to you know, assist with, with tax measures and with dealing with your estate after you've died. Um, so that's outright gifts. And it's the most simple, simple solution. But the more complex and effective solution I'd describe as gifts into trust. So although outright gifts are simple, there are some big disadvantages. Firstly, um, you as the person giving that those assets away completely lose control once it's passed to the beneficiary. If they decide they want to do something that you completely disagree with or you have a big argument, you're not going to get your money back and that's that. And the second thing is, if 
you gift assets to a child and they go through a divorce, those assets are going to be taken away from them if it's an outright gift. So the solution there is to move capital into a trust. The children, grandchildren can be the beneficiaries. Um, and th- there are numerous advantages to that. So you can appoint yourselves as trustees. So you retain control. You can decide the speed and rate at which money is passed um, in a trust as well. You don't have to gift money out of the trust to children. You can loan it, which has a lot of tax advantages as well. And once you actually pass away, your children and grandchildren can actually choose to keep the assets in trust for their lifetimes. And that means those assets won't form part of your children's estate, your grandchildren's estate or dare I say, even your great-grandchildren's estates. So it'll save inheritance tax all down the generations. Um, And the only disadvantage when it comes to transfers into trust is you can only do £650,000 every seven years. And it's a kind of secret that the wealthy have used over not just years, but generations, generation after generation, in order to insulate their families from inheritance tax. But although it's not well-known knowledge. It's something that actually anybody can do, regardless of the the amount of wealth that they have. I'll wrap it up very briefly, but as a a general point, um, when you're minimising your tax exposure, um, it's important to get a professional involved, not only at the time you're taking the tax measure, um, but also to ensure there's somebody there once you've passed away. Andy always suggests ISA as the solution to everything. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a cold, Andy says, get an ISA. What can you do if you haven't yet maxed out your ISA in terms of using that as an inheritance insulator? Andrew, ISAs, you know, I think they're excellent vehicles, but they form part of your estate for inheritance tax purposes. But if you move your stocks and shares ISAs into an alternative investment market ISA, two years before you die, they come out of your estate. So one of the things Hugh has just said, which is brilliant, is that you should take professional advice. And when people have got money, there has to be a time where you start thinking about your legacy. So if you've got a stocks and shares ISA, a few years before your death or when you're thinking, okay, I'm not going to use all this money, put it in an AIM ISA, two years later, no inheritance tax. Right. So AIM, explain what AIM is to people who might not know. An alternative investment market ISA has a lot more risk. It's set up companies. So it'll be things like Grays. Uh, the old Zoopla, when they set up, it'll be Love Film, it'll be Jimbox. These companies are high risk that go up and down. They're just new startup companies. But if you have an ISA that's worth £100,000 and it forms part of your estate and you lose 40% of it, if you move it into an alternative market ISA, and let's say it's dropped by 10%, you're still passing your estate 90%, £90,000. So they've just come with more risk. And as we've seen in numerous podcasts we've done, Andrew, the government only give you tax breaks if there's an element of risk to it. Right. So essentially what you're saying is if you don't shield the tax, you could be up for 40% or something off it. But if you do shield the tax within an AIM structure, even if the shares fall by 30%, you're still ahead of where you would have been. There you go. Inheritance tax planning to me is, as you said, where you need to seek professional advice in terms of your investments, but also your gifting and your planning. It is a, such a complex area, but it needs professional advice. Hugh, another one I wanted to ask you about is using pensions in relation to inheritance tax. Are there advantages of paying specially into pensions or using a pension as a key part of your inheritance tax planning? Yeah, there are um, very, very significant advantages. And obviously, Andy Mayer will also know many of many of these things but one of the uh 
key things, interestingly, is that pensions aren't payable into the estate. So they're actually a mechanism by which you can avoid inheritance tax entirely. That, of course, depends on things that Andy would be better placed to advise on, like whether you should take an annuity or not. But certainly they are a mechanism that can be used to save inheritance tax and a significant amount as well. To just put a bit more detail on that, you're paying into a pension. The payouts are not considered part of the estate or is the capital not considered part of the estate? So neither is considered part of the estate. So if you've been, yeah, so so neither part is. And this, this Andrew, sorry to cut across you, is where it's important because we've just had a recent budget and the rules have changed again. And it's really key for inheritance tax planning is you can write a will in 2020 and think you've done it. You need to examine these things every couple of years because rules change, allowances change. They've got rid of the lifetime allowance. So it was a million and 73,000. Now you can have up to what you want, but Labour are saying they will repeal it. The tax-free cash element is still frozen as a maximum, but you start looking at this and said there's a massive difference. People were capped at £40,000 into the pension. Now it's sixty. So this is why we say that people should always meet their financial advisor. We want to meet and talk to our clients every year. But we think when you're looking at legacy planning, you need to be meeting the person who's giving you the advice every two years because rules change. I'm not going to out myself as really clueless here, but I always thought your pension kind of died with you. Um, So let's say I take out a pension and I've maxed out my allowances. That continues to exist as a piece of the estate that can continue to pay out for how long? There's certain rules. If it's below 75, it passes to your spouse tax-free. So you can have an £800,000 pension pot. And a lot of people, since Osborne changed the rules, have used pensions, bizarrely, as inheritance tax vehicles. So when you used to buy an annuity, people would go to Canada Life Legal and General and they'd swap £200,000 for £8,000 a year forever. People don't do that anymore. They go into flexible access drawdown. They take income they want from it on a variable basis. And then what is left can be left to the estate in various different formats, whether it's income or lump sum. So pensions have become very valuable for legacy planning. And again, you're leaving people maybe six, eight hundred thousand pounds in a pot or two hundred thousand pounds. That might mean they never need to save for a pension themselves again. So pensions are very tax efficient, but they change according to government and chancellors. Andy, I want to ask you about another of your favourites, another of your hobby horses, venture capital trusts as vehicles for, you know, again, inheritance tax. Venture capital trusts aren't any good for inheritance tax, but what they are great for is people listening there who can't put any more money into their pensions because of allowances. You put £30,000 into a venture capital trust, the inland revenue give you 30% back either as a cheque or through your tax coding. But just similar to what we've said about alternative investment markets, Andrew, for individual savings account as a really effective way for inheritance tax, venture capital trusts are brilliant for tax planning at the moment. But they give you a 30% tax break. Why? Because they're risky. They're set-up companies. Similar to what we've talked about with individual investment market ISAs, they come with set-up startup companies. Some do very well, some go bust. So you'll get, you're going to get a tax break when you invest in non-mainstream investments such as venture capital trusts, such as AMISAs, because they come with a bigger risk. And you're also a big fan of business property relief, aren't you? 
Yeah, I think for inheritance tax purposes, this is great. You put money... Most people on this will have heard of Octopus, the energy company. Well, Octopus are actually a venture capital company and a business relief company who own so many wind turbines that they've set up their own energy company. You invest money in this, two years later, two years later, there is no inheritance tax. And that's a massive saving. And they're very environmentally friendly, some of these uh, business relief schemes. They are dull as they are the most wrong seal product we have. They'll do 3 to 4% a year, but they after two years of investment, there is no inheritance tax. That can be a massive saving for people. And I think business relief is a really underused asset. And most of the schemes that are run are after capital preservation. They are very, very good. Hugh, the main asset that most people will worry about is their home and passing it on. And, you know, you've already mentioned about gifting and uh, and the thresholds and so on. Apparently, if you leave your home to children or grandchildren, you benefit from a residence nil rate band, which rather than have an allowance of £325,000, it's actually half a million pounds. So a couple could effectively leave a £1 million house uh, inheritance tax-free to their kids. Uh, have I read that correctly? Because that does actually seem quite a good way of passing stuff on. So interestingly here, for, for married couples, you are 100% correct um there are certain things when it comes to the estate planning that you that you need to ensure are in place it can be quite a risky area and, and just going back to what andy mayer said this is why you want to have your documents checked every couple of years um because prior to the the, the residential nil rate band existing many many lawyers um and solicitors advise clients to put trusts in their will that actually don't work with the residential nil rate band so, yeah, but you're right for a married couple. Interestingly, I noticed you use the word just couple, but that is, well, it raises something quite dangerous in this context because actually neither the residential nil rate band or the ordinary nil rate band can be transferred between an unmarried couple. Um, and whilst there are, in fact, some things that with proper advice you can do to save the nil rate band for an unmarried couple, there's actually nothing that you can do with the residential nil rate band. And it is important to emphasise because I have, uh, you know, seen the ramifications of this as I deal with a lot of probate. And you do see uh, children facing substantial and entirely unexpected tax bills in those cases. So sometimes for literally hundreds of thousands of pounds, just because of something simple that could have been avoided, um, you know, by, by having the right will in place. Hugh, the regulations are, are, are changing, as I mentioned earlier, that the government is thinking of changing uh, both the threshold for inheritance tax and the rates that's paid. What are you expecting will be the longer term trends on inheritance taxes uh, over the next few years? Obviously, there may well be a different government. Yeah, to be frank with you, the situation is just going to get worse and worse. So in 2009, the, the nil rate band was 325,000 and it hasn't changed since. You know, it's been almost 15 years. Um, there's been 50% inflation in that time. So it should be half a million already. Um, and the change they've made, to be honest with you, is uh, they've literally said that at one point, the residential nil rate ban was going to increase with inflation. And they've said no. And bear in mind, that's the conservative government, which tends to be more of, you know, a tax reducing government. So I would have thought if Labour goes into power, that the situation as far as inheritance taxes is the burden will, will continue to go up. So we've got quite a lot to look at there. You can look at gifting, you can look at business property relief, you can look at trust. There's a whole lot of stuff on the go. But the key thing, I suppose, is always talk to your financial advisor. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And all those things Andy's mentioned, you know, venture capital trusts, uh, transfers into AIM, I know are, are extremely good with the with, with, with having worked with Andy. Um, AIM can make a big difference. And of course, ISAs as well. So yeah, that's the main thing is to seek professional advice. Thinking about things other than money and assets, Andy, what would you, what would you leave to your kids? I think the favourite heirloom I would leave my children would be my Celtic and Coventry programmes, my island programmes and sports memorabilia. <laughs> I think that's what I'd like them to have. And on that note, that's a very good moment to, to end the podcast. So thank you to Hugh. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. And thanks again to Andy Mayer. What, what are you up to next, Andy? Well, actually, I'm very lucky this weekend, Andrew. I'm flying across to Chicago on Saturday night for the Morning Star Global Investment Conference. So I'm very excited. So when I come back, I'll have lots of news and information from some of the best fund managers and research in the world. Enjoy your weekend. Listeners, thanks for listening. Remember, you can follow It's Your Money on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or indeed probably any platform you're using. And the next edition will come straight to your phone seamlessly. We hope you found it useful. See you next time. Mm -hmm.